welcome to a pretty somber, um, rainy day, at least where I am, edition of the Weekend Wire. Um, we have Cameron McCauley. Um, if you remember last time he was on, um, we bring him on about Nuggets stuff, and there've, there's been a major piece of Nuggets news this week that we will surely get into. And also, they could have the... 2021 MVP on the roster, so we're going to talk to him, me and Arwell, about all of that. And yeah, so here we are. Um, obviously, the Jamal Murray thing looms large. So that was Monday night. It was one of the pretty crazy moment um, in in NBA history, I guess, considering Steph Steph was going off and that was the major story. And then there's one minute left in the game and Jamal Murray goes up um, on that layup, I believe, or and he just comes down and everyone can tell that it's bad immediately. Um, I wasn't even watching the game when this happened, but I saw it on Twitter a couple couple minutes later. Um, and yeah, just 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 devastating. But um, yeah, Cameron, I'm gonna let you talk about that mostly. Yeah, you're the heart and soul of this team. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's funny, right? T- so Tuesday, Tuesday morning, I got my uh, my first shot of the vaccine, and it feels that that feels like a day that like we've all been looking forward to. Like everybody has thought about for a couple months at least now. Like, what's it gonna be like when you get the vaccine? Uh, well, I was doing the I was doing the 15 minute waiting thing that they have you do um, after you get the vaccine, and that was when the news yeah. officially came out that he had torn his ACL. Ooh. So that was a really uh, that was a that was a really interesting mix of emotions on that day. Uh, yeah, it was it was really stark, and it was a really significant and poignant and painful moment in Nuggets history for so many reasons, but. Just seeing a guy like Jamal Murray, um, you know, there's there's jokes around Nuggets fans and, and people that watch this team that Jamal Murray plays better when he's injured, um, and he's he's played through injuries for entire seasons. He's the last guy to come off the court um, for any reason. Uh, so to see him down, clearly in that much pain, you could clearly see that it was a very serious injury um and to see him like that was was tough it was really tough it was soul crushing because you know that you know jamal murray is he's not accenting those things he's not dressing them up um for cameras that's that's how he is um and we'll, we'll talk about Jokic later in the show um, as we should, right? He should be the 20, the 2020, 21 MVP, but Jamal Murray is the heartbeat of this team. Jokic is the leader. Um, Jokic is the clear alpha dog on this team. He is the captain. If that's what you want to give a word to, I know there's not official captains in the NBA, but Jamal Murray is the heart, the heartbeat of the entire Denver Nuggets franchise. Those three, one comebacks in the bubble don't happen without Jamal Murray's relentless spirit uh, and relentless desire to compete and win every single second he's on the basketball court. And that's just what made it painful, honestly, like not even, not even thinking about the nuggets or team. Cause I honestly, I didn't for the first day after it happened, I just felt bad for Jamal Murray because he's such an electric player and he gives so much to the nuggets and so much to basketball. Um, 
you, you hate to see ACLs and knee injuries for anybody in this sport, but particularly for someone like him, who was also really rounding into form. Um, I know he had a, a bit of a tough stretch to start the season, but he, for the past month, past two months, he's been in bubble Murray. Um, you know, he didn't get the all-star nod because he started slow, but he's been every bit as good as he was in the bubble over the last two months. And that's, that's what made it painful. Obviously it's really painful for the nuggets because this year, especially after the Aaron Gordon trade, they, they looked like a championship contender. They had every single marking of, of a true team that could make the finals and that could win the finals. And they looked like the best team that I've ever seen play for the Denver Nuggets. So to get, I don't know how many games we've got of that eight, nine, 10, and then to have such a core piece of that ripped away is uh, it's just devastating for the Nuggets. Yeah. I think they were, they started eight and zero um, after getting Gordon and obviously um, ACLs are really a, considered a two year injury for some guys. Um, Usually that's that's when it's a player on the bigger side, like seven footers, people like that. Um, but to have this happen so late in the season when they clearly had a lot of momentum um, going in the playoffs, uh, this is a team, um, and you, you said a lot of this, but this is a team that um, really has no fear, I think, about beating any of the other teams, certainly in the West. Um, the Celtics game on Sunday was really only their was really the only bad mark that they had um, since getting Gordon. So, yeah, it's 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 really devastating um, just to see a team that now is going to be probably hunted um, in for matchups in the first round of playoffs. If you're the Lakers and you're sitting there in the four or five, um, you're probably pretty pleased to see that this matchup's coming up and. I mean, maybe I still want no part of Jokic in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I still I, I want mean, no. I still want no part of that dude. I still want no part of what MPJ has become. Right? Yeah, um, MPJ's development. It's not that. Definitely it's something. it's not that it's not that this team's suddenly going to become a team that would look like a playing team. Right? They're still a really good basketball team. Um, it's just that. Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon was the piece that put that trio over the top. They had spent so much effort working to integrate Michael Porter. And we're really starting to see the benefits of that over the last month or so um, of him not only being get, getting regular minutes, but being involved in the offense in a way that is productive. And he's not just out there hunting his own shots. He's, he's working actively within the structure of the team and the structure of the offense. It, it seemed like they had had, it seemed like they were finding that balance. And then to get someone in Aaron Gordon, who I'll be honest, I did not expect it to, to, to go as seamlessly as it did. I don't think anybody could have expected it to go as seamlessly as it did um, when that trade was made. But boy, does he look like a good fit next to this, to this group because he doesn't have to be the on-ball creator and the scorer. And he can use his cutting and his athleticism to get easy buckets. Um, Paul Millsap calls him cheeseburgers from Nikola Jokic. Um, Aaron Gordon is eating a bunch of cheeseburgers this season. Um, and then to be able to have a guy like that who now suddenly can play and do a considerable job on all the supersized wings in the Western Conference, mm -hmm. uh, it, it felt like a it, it felt like an Andre Iguodala kind of addition. Like what it, what Iguodala did to the Warriors, and Nuggets fans know this because Iguodala left the Nuggets to go to the Warriors. Um, but what he did for that team, just by being selfless, by accepting a team first role, understanding that 
the Warriors had plenty of scoring. They needed defense. Uh, it felt like that was what Aaron Gordon was going to be. And, it, and that's why it felt like this Nuggets team was in a way representative of kind of the start of what the Warriors were accomplishing. Um, I, I said after the Clippers blowout that we were witnessing the making something special. And that's why, that's, that's why it, it hurts so much um, because this year we were robbed of the chance to see something special, but uh, you know, talking about ACLs, I, I don't think it's, you know, we'll see what the timetable is. Um, I know Jamal Murray is going to do everything in his power to get back as quickly as he can. And I know the nuggets are also going to take it slow with him um, as they rightfully should. But I, I would bet he's back by the playoffs next year in, in some capacity. Um, but to go back to the original point that I was talking about, I mean, this team, right. They have Monte Morris, who is a starting caliber point guard that can plug in for Jamal Murray You've still got Will Barton, um, who can now kind of take over being the, the secondary ball handler outside of Jokic, because I don't think MPJ is quite ready to do that. Um, and you've still got a forward tandem. Um, I think I think Nuggets Twitter is working on nicknames for him. Uh, the clubhouse leader that I like is Slash and Cash. Um, but you've got a tandem in Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter where – pick your poison between a highly athletic forward that can make backdoor cuts and finish at the rim or a six ten forward that can shoot threes over you at a ridiculously efficient clip. Um, they're, they're going to be a dangerous team and you know, they're not gonna, they're not going to care if teams are hunting them in the first round. Um, Joel Murray, you, you can see how his heartbeat and his resilience translates. You can also see how Jokic's kind of lack of care also translates that, they don't get wild or intimidated by any opponent. Um, they focus on what they do, and they're still going to be a really tough out for any team in the Western Conference playoffs. Does MPJ or Aaron Gordon kind of have to take a step up now uh, in terms of, like, shot creation? Is that sort of the change I mean, yeah. that you kind of see with this I, offense? I think, honestly, the biggest change for this offense is going to be the fact that they won't have their crunch time bread and butter anymore. Um, this was a team – in the regular season, right, they, they throw a lot of looks. Obviously, Jokic is the cog, that, the, the machine, right? He's not the cog that makes the machine work. He's the machine in that system. But crunch time in high leverage, high intensity games for three years, this team's bread and butter has been Jokic, the, the Jokic-Murray pick and roll. That has been the go-to. That has been, we need a bucket. We're down two with 25 seconds left. We're running that play. And... That, that partnership is a result of four, five years, half a decade of work between that pairing and half a decade of the chemistry developing between that pairing to let them play to the point where they're not even thinking when they play. They just it, It's that kind of telepathic connection that those two have. Um, but I think there's also positives that you can take away. Like, I'm not saying that, I guess not positives, but there's silver linings in here. There's silver linings in everything. Um, and for the Nuggets, as much as it hurts Jamal Murray, um, this is, this is going to be a huge opportunity for Michael Porter Jr. to really be the second guy in the offense. He's, he's going to be expected to be carrying a lot of the point scoring totals. Um, will Barton will probably also handle that. He'll probably handle that more in a ball creation duty. I bet you'll see a lot more dribble handoffs between Jokic and Porter. I bet you'll see a lot more actions that they run that is designed to get Porter open looks. And 
honestly, like the silver lining may be that, you know, this is a chance for Porter and Jokic to really develop chemistry um, and really accelerate his development into and, and accelerate his workload offensively. And that may be something that, 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 that pays dividends for the Nuggets down on the road, because now mm. it's starting to look like they might actually have a big three in Jokic, Murray and Porter, because he's been for as much as people railed on him. Um, he has made a lot of improvements to his game this season. All three guys are so young, um, and that's that's something that maybe gets a little bit glossed over. Um, so it, it is sometimes hard to remember the ages of them, but I think um, all three are under the age of 26. Is Jokic um, 26? Uh, I believe this is Jokic's age 26 season. He might have turned 27 um, recently. I can look it up quickly. I think he's 26 though. Um, yeah, he's 26. I'm pretty sure Murray is 23 uh, and Porter is 22. I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, on that. So the window is Murray's like, 24. Well, so there, and Aaron Gordon's also like 25. Yeah. Gordon's, so the fact Gordon's that the fact they could add a fourth piece to that, that also fits with their timeline. <laughs> um, Tim Connolly pulled off a phenomenal move uh, at the deadline with that. And they'll still, benefit but I, I remember like i remember a lot of <laughs> nuggets twitter was rough on monday and tuesday it was a rough <laughs> place to be and i remember a lot of people were as the nuggets twitter tends to do um if you ever visit them after a loss you'd think that they're a they're a, a lottery team um but i remember a lot of long-term doom and gloom they're gonna be fine sure. um <laughs> right Jokic is up for i, I think after not this upcoming season, but the next season, um, Porter and Gordon will be up for extensions. And I think the year after that, Jokic will be up for a super max. Um, point being, if they want to keep all four guys, if the Cronkies want to keep all four guys, they can, and they will. Um, and an injury to Jamal Murray, isn't really going to change that in a long-term sense. So I guess long-term, it's not going to have as big of an impact. It's just the pain is in the short term because this genuinely really was a championship window for the Nuggets that at the moment feels like it's closed. I, I wouldn't count them out, and I wouldn't count them out of a deep playoff run, but certainly their prospects of winning the finals are a lot lower now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, I, I like I, – for the Lakers, I think the Lakers, like JT said, I think would like to play Denver. Um, I, I know that Jokic is probably not a good matchup for anybody in the West, but I think that um, I would worry about Denver against the Lakers. But I, I don't know. I mean, still against Utah, against Phoenix, some of these, like some of the guys that are a little bit um, higher up in the standings. They match up well against Utah, regardless. Yeah, I think they still match up well against Utah. I think so. I think Utah, yeah. honestly, I'd rather, I'd rather have the, as a Nuggets fan, I'd rather have the Lakers than Utah in the first round. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, Cause Utah, Utah took Denver to the brink defensively in a way that I haven't seen. And maybe that was just them for those first five games of the playoff series I had last year. Maybe that was just them having a way above the mean shooting stretch. Um, but they came as close to, the formula, like the blueprint to get Jokic defensively is I think any team has gotten in throwing him in a bunch of pick and rolls with uh, Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and forcing him to either cover or play drop coverage. I mean, they, they had his number defensively for five games in that series. Um, now Denver made adjustments. They, they 
figured it out on the defensive end. Gary Harris coming back helped with that. Obviously, he's not there anymore. He's in Orlando, but um, Utah with their their spread pick and roll action is uh, is a tough matchup. But honestly, I would I would rather take my chances against Anthony Davis and LeBron James coming off of injury. We have the Nuggets have someone who can guard LeBron James. Honestly, guard LeBron James better than Jeremy Grant could uh, in Aaron Gordon. Anthony Davis is a matchup problem, but Anthony Davis is a matchup problem for anybody in the NBA in the same way that Jokic is. Um, But I I think, honestly, a 4-5 Lakers Nuggets showdown would be really entertaining. I I would see it going 6 or 7. Yeah, and LeBron and AD, um, certainly LeBron. I think AD is scheduled to come back in the next 7-10 days is um, what I've seen. And then LeBron is a little bit, I think, like two weeks after that. Um, So, yeah, neither of them – it's possible that neither of them would be a hundred percent for that series. Um, so that could tilt the scales in Denver's favor a little bit. Yeah. And, you, you rather face them earlier in the playoffs before they get momentum and yeah. back into their stride, but um, Lakers it's team, the West. a super, super high defensive floor. Um, even with those two out that we've seen over this recent stretch, but um, yeah. Um, Getting into the Jokic MVP discussion and everything that was going on on Twitter today, and that really stemmed from um, a podcast uh, called The Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorst, um, and he had on um, Tim Bontemps and Tim Tim McMahon today, who were both ESPN NBA reporters, and Windhorst is as well, if you're unfamiliar, Um, and they were discussing the MVP and they got into a pretty heated debate about um, really Jokic versus Embiid. And there was some LeBron stuff brought up. Um, and it was just really making the rounds today. And Windhorst's argument was a little bit for Embiid while the other two were squarely on Jokic. Um, and it was, it was really entertaining to, to listen to and watch. And uh, I'm just wondering what, what, what you guys thought about that and what you guys think about um, – Jokic winning the MVP, which I think we're I think we're all in agreement that he is the deserving MVP, um, and this is something yeah. that Carl oh, yeah. and yeah. I predicted before the season. But um, what did y'all think about what what um, Windhorst had to say and um, the response to it? I mean, Aro, you can you can start it off. I, I'm not surprised. Like this is nothing new for Nikola Jokic. Um, he's always been a kind of player who's had to go who's had to do twice as much to go half as far. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, part of it is the city he plays in. You know, I, I don't know how many Denver Nuggets games Brian Windhorst has watched in full, but you can kind of tell based on takes people have about Jokic if they actually do watch the Nuggets. Um, like, and I remember Ramona Shelburne coming in saying Embiid's a much better defensive player in every statistical category except steals. Uh, well, Jokic is seventh in the NBA in steals. Everybody wants to talk about Jokic's defense. In total steals, he's seventh in the NBA amongst any player. Also, like his defense also gets kind of undervalued now. I feel like like it's not as much of a knock on him as it was. It's really not, and honestly, it, it it hasn't been. It's just that, and this kind of goes. It's back hard to, to take that reputation though. He's a good. <laughs> he's a good positional defender, like like Al Horford sort of was. The um, reason no one day. thinks Jokic is a good defender is because he doesn't protect the rim. And for the entire history of basketball, the center position has, on the defensive end, been about protecting the rim. That's why Jokic was 40th overall in the draft in 2014, because 
People thought that a center who couldn't jump and couldn't defend the rim in any case wouldn't make it in the NBA. Then it became, okay, well, Jokic's offensive contributions outweigh his defensive liabilities. Nikola Jokic's yeah. plus minus defensively this season is 2.5, which is a, above starter level. It's well above starter level in the NBA. Um, actually, I, oh, yeah. I think two is about starter level, but still it's above the average NBA player in terms of defense. So I'm not going to sit here and say Jokic is winning the MVP based on his defense, but there's a lot of lazy takes about his defense because Mike Malone and Denver figured it out years ago that, okay, Jokic defensively doesn't work when he's a rim protector, but he's got quick feet. He's got really quick hands and he's a really smart player. So you can use him to hedge on screens and funnel things through the perimeter and defend in the post. Uh, and he's great at it, and he can be a good team defender. And the Nuggets have been better defensively when he's on the floor than when he hasn't consistently this entire season. Um, it's yeah. just – it's lazy takes. Um, and there's always been lazy takes about Jokic. There's always been lazy takes. Uh, I, I didn't think he'd ever get to the point where he was genuinely in the MVP discussion, not because I didn't think he would play well enough for it, but because I never thought he would have the narrative for it. Yeah, it's funny because, like, as a Suns fan, I think I, I saw a lot of kind of similar things with a lot of our players, namely Booker, uh, in past years. But it's just, yeah, I mean, it, once you get a reputation as a bad defender, it's it's hard to shake that reputation. But it, it should not be the reason. Like, anybody that's not voting for Jokic because of his defense, it, it, like, that's just silly. Um, let me explain. You know, let, me, let me go through this with Nikola Jokic because this is kind of crazy. Nikola Jokic this season in, in cumulative stats, right, which I think – considering the MVP is an award given across an 82 game season, cumulative stats can play a role, right? We don't discount the NFL's passing yards leader. Like we're not saying like, yeah, the, the best passer in the NFL threw for 300 yards a game or whatever. Right. We say they threw for four or 5,000 yards or whatever it is. Nikola Jokic has scored more points this season than Bradley Beal. He's had more rebounds this season than Deandre Ayton and Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's had more assists this season than Chris Paul, James Harden, Trey Young, and Luka Doncic. And he's had more steals this season than Kawhi Leonard. I mean, come on. It's pretty impressive. How yeah, does that yeah, guy... This one was, was definitely, yeah. How does that guy not win the MVP <laughs> by a landslide, right? He's in the top, pretty much the top 10 in all four of those categories. Do you know how many of those categories Joel Embiid is in the top 20 of? Zero. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> but Embiid, Embiid misses games and gets rewarded for it because we actually see what the Sixers are like without Joel Embiid. So then the narrative becomes Embiid's really important to the Sixers. Listen, if you want to look at it from an on-off-the-floor standpoint with Jokic, the Nuggets are not good when he's not on the floor. Like, let's be real. I think in the Celtics game, he was he played 36 minutes, was like a plus 8 or a plus 10, and they still lost the game in the four minutes that he didn't play. <laughs> So that argument's not there. We just never see the Nuggets without Jokic because he plays every game and because he doesn't miss games and he doesn't take nights off, right? As Nuggets fans, honestly, we kind of take it for granted now because we've seen him do this at such a high consistent level for four years now that when he gets another triple-double, it doesn't make waves. Uh, When he has a good game, it makes waves. But when he has a game where he's like, 15 and he, he 15 points and he misses more than seven or eight shots and he has like six assists but like oh down game for Jokic 
wasn't expecting that because you never do because he always delivers. And especially for the MVP, that counts, right? Being able to always deliver dependability and consistency. The fact that he's played 700 more minutes than Joel Embiid this season counts for something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, And I gave up on Embiid's MVP case when – he the Sixers were number one in defense, um, defensive rating with him on the floor, and then after he got injured for that stretch, they were still number one. So that was pretty much the end for me. Um, and now that Harden's been out for a stretch and LeBron's been out for a stretch, it's really it's really between the two of them because um, the Blazers aren't going to finish high enough. And you know, even if even Embiid, you know, I don't think has played enough games. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, that's that's that's. Uh, that's totally fair. Um, the and- other thing is to go to your point, right, JT, right? Like Ben Simmons is being tossed around as a defensive player of the year. If Nuggets had a defensive yes. player of the year candidate, how many people would use that as a way to invalidate Jokic? Oh. But, but Embiid has a defensive player of the year candidate as a teammate, and people will still say he should win the MVP based on his defense. I mean, that team all around is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Exactly. They are. And I'm not saying they're not, but if, if, you know, you don't kind of get to play it both ways, but I'm not surprised. Like, like I said, like Jokic for a multitude and a platitude of reasons has always had to work twice as hard to go half as far, as far as national recognition goes. Um, And, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but honestly, the main one is that Jokic just doesn't really contribute to narrative, right? Like he isn't a big brand. He's not out there like LeBron or Joel Embiid getting into beef on Twitter and, you know, making waves and headlines. Um, He doesn't have social media, doesn't particularly enjoy talking to the media, but he does. Um, And he's a a fantastic interview. Um, Would much rather go home and play Pokemon or worry about his horses back in Serbia than write an MVP speech. But hopefully that's what he's going to do. And I I cannot wait to hear it because I think it's going to be one of the funniest in NBA history because uh, I, I can't imagine I, I imagine he will find a way to say that he probably doesn't deserve it <laughs> because that's the kind of player that he is but he's he's never contributed to narrative which is why places and, and people like Brian Windhorst um, have never quite given him the respect or taken him as seriously as he deserves to be taken. Cause it's not like this is a new phenomenon. We were saying in 2017, the advanced stats were painting Jokic as an all-star and he had to wait probably two more years than he should have to get an all-star selection. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that the fact that he is having one of the best seasons in the history of basketball, and that is statistics, right? Box plus minus, which estimates how, in a sense is like war in baseball. It estimates how much a player contributes to their team above average. Nikola Jokic is having the ninth best season in the history of the NBA since that stat was counted in 1973, right? There's four dudes since 1973 that have had a better season in that metric than LeBron James, Michael Jordan, who did it three times, LeBron James, who did it three times, Steph Curry and David Robinson. And that's it. Those are the only four people according to that metric who have had a better season than Jokic has had this season. And the fact that he is that far ahead of everybody else, and we're still sitting here saying, is the MVP race close? Is there a gap between, <laughs> like, come on now. You don't, have, you don't have to spend all your time invalidating it. You can see that he's been the best player in the league this season, and he's been the most important player to his team in the league this season. 
you don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. We're all in agreement there. Um, yeah. so, no arguments for me. Yeah. Can, <laughs> I feel like I dominated that discussion, but I mean, it's, it's where we are with you. The benefit is that he, he really doesn't, like, he could not care less what if people yeah. think he should or shouldn't win the MVP. He's very much a, uh, very much a Tim Duncan like figure in that um, he's really becoming honestly the Tim Duncan of this era of the NBA and, and the Tim Duncan of this Nuggets organization. And uh, That's just a good have, comparison. I haven't heard that one before. Um, it, it, I mean, he I has the same it, demeanor and the same vibe and yeah. the same commitment to winning and yeah. the Nuggets and the way their front office has worked things and developed. Um, Michael Malone is a Greg Popovich disciple. There's, there's, there's a lot of comparisons between the Nuggets and the Spurs. I, I, I've said it for a long time that the Nuggets felt like they were becoming that model small, small market franchise in the West that takes the Spurs mantle. Um, and I think we honestly genuinely are there with the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, another team in the West and small market um, had some bad news today, which is the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell goes down with the ankle sprain. Um, it's actually is a little better, uh, news than what we thought, um, because we've seen these kinds of injuries before and yeah, there's hope that he'll be back for round one and Hey, Utah might even not need him for round one, depending on who they play. So, um, I'm, I don't really know what I, what I think about this. Um, because Mitchell is someone who. He's contributing throughout, yes, but he's especially useful to them at the end of games. And he sort of has that tendency to take over. Um, we saw it in the Suns game. We saw it in the Sixers game earlier in the year. And he's really he really becomes the, the um, sole focus point of that offense at the end of games. And the Nuggets have a system. I mean, the Jazz have a system that is going to work um, probably with or without an offense where they're they're getting good looks from three pretty much every time. So what, what was y'all's reaction to this? Because I, I don't really know what mine is right now. I think it's a good thing for, for Utah to be able to at least kind of experiment with a few different looks uh, towards the end of games. Because, yeah, I mean, like, like, like you said, in big games so far, they've been kind of going to Mitchell, letting him work, and kind of riding or dying with, with however he does at the end of these games. Um, but, I mean, they, they have other players that, like, have done it before in Conley um, that can do it. I think Bogdanovich is, is more than capable of doing it. Yeah. Um, he just hasn't really been called on to do it. Um, plus, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think they're too worried about the one seed right now. It doesn't really feel like uh, the Suns can catch them. Um, and I think they're going to be able to win most of these games, even without Mitchell. Um, you know, like you said, the offense sort of kind of works like the rest of the time without Mitchell. Um, it's just, yeah, they might lose a couple of these big national TV games. But I think going into the playoffs, they're not too worried um about this, unless the injury does turn out to be a little bit more severe. But I think um, Woj tweeted that utah's not overly worried about it um they feel like it's pretty mild x-rays are negative mri coming yeah tonight. so so i like it should be fine it uh, seems if he comes like back less like less severe than what lebron has right now yeah and so, i mean even if he's gone for a month i think he's fine yeah, yeah. he's gone for a month playoffs start in five weeks so um, I mean, honestly, yeah. the jazz is the jazz's only concern should be that he's hundred percent for the playoffs because they can get yeah. through the rest of the regular season without they have the easiest right? schedule remaining. 
in the West. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, you touched on it, JT. Like, for a team like Utah, who, whether Donovan Mitchell is their best player or Rudy Gobert is their best player, it's very clear that who you're giving the ball to in a situation where you need a bucket, right? Where it's the playoffs and it's half court, grind it out, right? Give it, give it to someone. You're in the, you're in the trenches, right? Get a bucket with 14 seconds left on the shot clock. Donovan Mitchell's that dude. Um, Donovan Mitchell is hundred percent that dude. And, you know, from a Nuggets perspective, Jokic can absolutely be that dude, but he loves having Jamal Murray in the bubble because Jamal Murray was that dude in the bubble. And, they've worked as a phenomenal tandem with it. So as long as they have him and, and as long as he's hundred percent for the playoffs, like I said, I, I, like what they do the rest of the regular season doesn't really matter that much. It's just <laughs> making sure that he's good to go and that he can do those things by the playoffs um, is really, I think the, the only thing here. And I don't think we can assess that right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're going to need him for the second round. Uh, second round is when, I mean, like that round is going to be a, a battle. Um, I mean, they're going to get, they're going to get, I'm pulling up the, the standings right now. They're, I mean, they're going to get the top Lakers team in the first Denver, round. Right? It, it, in, I'm not even saying the second round, the first round. Oh, I mean, the, first the West round? is so, the West is absurdly deep this year, right? You're going to get yeah. Dallas with Luka, um, Memphis. I'll, I'll be worried Gold if Dallas State. slips. But outside of that, like, I'm not overly worried about them. I think Golden time. State without Ubre is something to watch because if you look at the sample, sample size on that is pretty – it's it's kind of high now. They've been really good when he doesn't play. But Steph's also been gone, like, nuclear for the last like, – Yeah, like, except for last night, a month. he has been. But <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, like, it, he'll probably do that in the playoffs too, so I guess he can't, you know, rule it out, but – yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I wouldn't be worried. Um, other than the I'm map. not super worried about their first. I don't. I don't think Memphis has guys. the has the offense to like really keep up. Bother them, yeah. Even like you'd like Mitchell for that series, but I don't. I don't yeah. think you need him. I just think the West is so loaded. There's there's teams that can make it interesting for them in, in that first round. But yeah. like I said, I think especially getting him back by the second round, if especially they're facing either the Nuggets or the Lakers, even without Jamal Murray, um, they're going to need Donovan Mitchell for that series. Yeah. And they're going to need a fully healthy Donovan Mitchell for that series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we covered that. Um, we can talk about Oladipo, who has an injury to his right knee. Lots of injuries today, but we haven't really covered any of them yet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Old Depot has an injury to that right knee um, that was bothering him for a while. That's the one that he caused him to miss most of 2019. Um, he injured it in that heat game versus the Lakers that they had recently. Um, they're still seeking second opinions on it. There's not, there's not been a lot of news about this. And it, it's, it's getting the point. And the Heat are pretty secretive about this kind of stuff uh, generally. Yeah. Um, but it seems like they're seeking second opinions. It seems like they're, they're doing all this stuff right now and no one really knows if he's going to be able to play the rest of the year. And that obviously impacts Miami's chances of getting anywhere. So it's kind of just up in the air right now. Um, and the heat have had a disappointing season for sure. Um, coming off, honestly, like most of the teams that were in that final four, all four have 
have had lower than expected seasons and they've, they've all dealt with injuries. And um, that's just a product of the shortened off season that they've had to deal with. So, um, but the heat, the heat have been uh, hovering around 500 for pretty much all year. And um, th this is a big blow to them. So I don't think they would be getting out of the first round unless they're playing the bucks anyway, unless, unless they're in the four five, because if you look at the matchups, it's kind of like, yeah, if they're, in the four five, they're probably playing Boston or Atlanta. And you would think they'd probably beat those teams with a full, fully healthy roster, but without Oladipo, I just don't really know what's going to happen. Without Oladipo, I, I think they could beat the Hawks, but, the yeah, I think they could be the Hawks but, up at that point. Yeah, after that, um, it gets really, really concerning. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's a very clear top three in the East, and I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't think Victor Oladipo is pushing the Heat into that top three. Um, but you know, right now they're they're in line to play the Nets, which that would not go well. So. <laughs> You know, this is where late season pushes matter because we're at a point in the season where, you know, they're what a game and a half out of fourth. So every every game, every minute is starting to count now as you look ahead to playoff seating. And um, for the Heat, uh, you know, there's going to be a big difference between getting sixth or seventh or eighth seed and having to play one of the Sixers, Nets, or Bucks, or getting that four or five matchup, and then. Then they have, you know, whether it's the Hawks or the Celtics, I think they have a shot at winning that with, you know, Jimmy Butler and his playoff performances. And, you know, he's dependable in the playoffs. Bam, Bam Adebayo. I'm interested yeah. in Oladipo. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, and I wonder if, you know, there's probably a reclamation project aspect to it um, afterwards. Because we all know he's really talented, but, you know, with his injuries um, – I, I would be interested to see, you know, I, whether that's the Heat or whether that's another team, um, they might be able to get a good deal on Oladipo um, if they uh, they have faith that he can return to the player he was in Indiana. Yeah, um, I, I, it felt like a long term move for him to, to go to Miami. Is how I kind of read into it. Um, is why Miami kind of wanted him in the first place. Why Oladipo would go. Because um, he was on that list of, of teams that I think Oladipo asked for um, earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, this kind of injury, I mean, like, it's just been kind of lingering for a while, too. So it's like, well, do you like want to kind of like pull the plug on it? If you're getting second opinions, I don't think it's a good sign. Um, you know, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but like, it, it definitely. No, I, I, would I would agree. I would agree. The more secretive they are with it, the worse it seems. So. Right. It, it'll so, be both. It'll be both a conundrum and an opportunity for the Heat, um, and those yeah. are the toughest. Those are a lot of the toughest situations to figure out with with guys like that. But hopefully, he uh, hopefully it's not as bad as it um, it might seem, and hopefully he does return at some point because he's a really fun player to watch. Yeah, and he looked good for them in the few games that he was able to play with them. Um, and, and with the amount of question marks that team has right now, I think that's the biggest worry. Um, where you have Dragic maybe kind of falling off a little bit. Um, Hero didn't really develop, or none didn't really develop the way that I think they might have expected them to um, coming into the season. And when you have that many question marks, adding another guy with, you know, a pretty questionable uh, injury history, it just becomes a problem. 
Um, you have a good core with Jimmy and, and Cam, but you gotta you gotta be able to build around it. And there, like, at least Jimmy's championship window is not that long right now. Um, you know, in the next couple of years, next three years, I, I would think this team really has to push. Um, and yeah, right now I, I just don't see, like Cameron said, like I just don't see them breaking into the top three uh, of the East. Um, I, I know we've talked about the matchup with the Bucks. Maybe that's promising. Maybe they match up okay with the Sixers, but the but I don't think the Sixers. I, don't, I think they get killed by the Sixers, and I, I don't. Right. The Bucks maybe, but like I think a lot of that that's a long shot. Matchup has to do with Jay Crowder, and if you're yeah. away another defensive piece in Old Depot and adding Holiday to guard some of those other guys, I don't know. I, I worry. I worry about that team right now. Um, I, I don't. Their ceiling is just not that high anymore um it feels like they have a pretty solid floor but like i I just don't see where they go second round exit is is all i can see from at this point oladipo or no oladipo yeah i would agree um yeah i don't know cameron you got anything i don't really have a time more than that i'm uh I'm in the moment. I'm curious. I'm looking up some Michael Porter Jr. numbers because um, I wanted to see uh, how his improvement was reflected in the the stats uh, since since uh, in the ten games that they've played since they acquired Gordon. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is averaging 22 points, nine rebounds, 1.4 assists, and he's doing it on 56% from the field, 40% from three, which feels low. Um, and he's plus minus eight and a half. Uh, That's low, the, man. The course of those games. Listen, Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. On the ball, like offensively, defensively, he's still a work in progress. I think he's getting to the point where he honestly might be kind of a net, a net average or even a net positive on that end. Um, and he's made a lot of strides there. Offensively, he reminds me of Clay Thompson. He's very efficient. He's not he, like he's not a on the ball dribble creator kind of guy. Um, but he's really efficient, and if you give him an inch of space, he will bear you because he's 6'11 and a absolutely knockdown shooter from so many different angles and ways. They'll run him off dribble handoffs, and he'll get contested threes and bury them. I mean, he's, he's, his shot-making ability from deep is on par with anyone that I've seen come into the NBA in the last couple of years, and I bet – with him getting a, a larger share of the offense, uh, his his stock is rising because he just mm. he just played his hundredth career game. That feels wild because he's been <laughs> barely over a season. Years. Yeah. He's yeah. barely played over a season of basketball, uh, and he already is looking like this. So he's his stock is going to rise a lot, I think. And I think uh, we might we might look back this time next year. And honestly, to wrap it all up with the Jamal Murray thing, you know hidden blessings and all that we might look next year and go wow this is a uh, this is an okc thunder durant westbrook harden kind of situation except they did the right thing to harden and gave him minutes so uh-huh. it's hard oh, to be I, mean, down. Like, I can see it yeah it's really hard to be it's really hard to be down on the nuggets for any long stretch of time <laughs> so far because a you've got Jokic and he is such a blessing to this franchise in this city um you know, he's Duncan like in the fact that you can tell he really does want to win a title in Denver and he really does want to spend his career in Denver. Um, and 
you genuinely believe him when you say when you say that. And I don't think there's a better luxury you can have as, as a small market team than a superstar who is committed to that. Um, you know, Jamal Murray, if you want to bet on him not coming back to being the player he was, by all means, go ahead and do that. I think that's free money on the other side. Yeah, I wouldn't take that um, bet. Michael Porter is... <laughs> Michael Porter is blossoming and doing it in the Nuggets way and the way the Nuggets both want and need him to do it. So uh, there's this, this, there's, there's a lot of good days ahead for this, for this team and this franchise. Yep. Definitely the up and coming. Well, I guess they're, they're not even up and coming anymore. They're not really up and coming anymore. They're, they're they're there. Um, (laughs) Just trying to get to that next level now. Yeah, that's that's why the Murray injury hurt because for once you really did feel like they were at the next level, um, and to have that ripped away, I'm, I'm not surprised a lot of people are honestly still coming to grips with it. But you know, Jamal Murray. The other thing is, it's not, you know, this isn't the end of it. Like a lot of the things that Jamal Murray gives to this Nuggets franchise, uh, in terms of his leadership and his. Uh, him being the heartbeat, like that stuff's not going away. Um, you're going to see him on the sidelines. Um, you know, he, in the games that he has missed throughout his career, and he's been a player who has missed quite a few games here and there throughout his career. He's never had an injury like this, um, but he will be on the sideline. Um, you know, he's talking with coach Malone. He's almost like another assistant coach out there when he's uh, not dressed for games and his leadership and his mentality and his, uh, his work ethic will uh, carry the nuggets through a lot of this. So they're still a dangerous team. They're still a, uh, they're still by a, all measures, a dangerous team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run, even if that run doesn't get them to the mountaintop, like we thought it would. Yeah. Well, I think that's a nice bookend um, to where we started. So um yeah just a lot of injuries we're getting through this slog at the end of the regular season here we got about a month left but uh yeah thanks guys thanks for having